You are listening to Mindful Performance, the show dedicated to building the brand of you. Your host is Teresa Rose, thought leader to the C-suite and author of Mindful Performance, How to Powerfully Impact Profitability, Productivity, and Purpose. Tune in every week to discover the lessons on what top leaders do to deliver their best performances at work, at home, and all day long. And now here's Teresa with your next Mindful Performance. Hello, everyone. This is Teresa Rose, and welcome to Mindful Performance. Today, we are going to have a very spirited conversation with Stu Brody, the author of The Law of Small Things. He is an expert on integrity and how we can actually apply integrity in our lives. Stu consults with businesses and political leaders and lectures nationally with his unique approach to the art of decision-making. He draws from more than 20 years as an advisor to prominent political figures, including presidential candidates. He has held numerous public offices and, as a lawyer, represented many high-profile clients and has appeared before the United States Supreme Court. Stu is founder of Integrity Intensive, a consulting firm concentrating on decision-making, leadership, and personal development, and has commented on these issues on TV and radio. Welcome, Stu, to Mindful Performance. How are you today? I'm great, Teresa. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. I'm a big fan of yours and your podcast. Uh, you do a great job in drawing people out, and I look forward to that today. Oh. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I am very excited about having the conversation with you because you really approach uh, the topic of integrity, which is very, very timely right now, uh, in, in, a, in a new way, in a way that I had never seen before. And frankly, I'm going to be honest with you, it made me a little uncomfortable because, uh, because I, as I read your book, The Law of Small Things, I, I I, I recognized myself sometimes, not very often, but I did recognize myself sometimes. And 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 I'm always looking to learn, uh, and grow, and 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 evolve. And you you pushed my edges a little bit, so I'm excited to have a conversation with you about the the nuance of this thing called integrity. So as you know, my podcast is all about how do top business leaders deliver their best performances at work, at home, and all day long. They're intentional about what they do as they perform, whether it's performing on stage, whether it's performing in the boardroom, performing in conversation with uh, their team members, or even in the, just out there in the world. Let's talk about integrity. Uh, first, just to level set everyone, what's your definition, Stu, of integrity? Well, uh, it's, first of all, thank you again. Uh, there are a lot of questions in there, and um, I'm looking forward to taking them one by one. The, the definition is not the kind of definition that you would really expect, but it's rooted in a kind of mindfulness, which you alluded to as necessary for any kind of leadership. So I'm going to give it, and then I'll give some background on how I came up with this. Great. So my definition of integrity is not simply about keeping your word, Integrity is discernment and fulfillment of your unique mission to heal the world, starting with your responsibilities in all your relationships 
and it begins with an overhaul of the way you make decisions. So let's just, you know, it's kind of long. Let's just get to the one sentence summary of it. Integrity is a kind of discernment or identification mindfulness of your unique mission in the world and everyone has one. The question is how you actually find your mission and then fulfillment of it. And it starts with small things, basically around your responsibilities and all your relationships, starting with your personal relationships, your family, extending to the community, to the workplace, and ultimately to the, to the nation. And all of these relationships involve um, others. So integrity is the way you make decisions involving others. Integrity has a lot of definitions that I think are not very useful. The, probably the most useful way of looking at it is decision-making involving others. Not about, it's not decision-making whether to go on a diet or whether I'm going to skip practicing piano today, but it's about how you deal with the promises you make to other people, explicit promises, like I'm going to show up, or implied ones that are not stated but are just as critical in those relationships. Got it, got it. So, so what I noticed when I was reading the book was that you, you talk about the, the illusion of moral competence, that we essentially kid ourselves uh, or lie to ourselves or, uh, uh, you know, confuse ourselves into thinking that these small choices that we're making really come from a place of moral competence when the reality is we're, we're, we're not really operating from that perspective. We've gotten away from the relationship aspect of it. Uh, tell me a little bit about this illusion of moral competence, which frankly, I, I think I dated him uh, a few months ago. So I think he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know him also. <laughs> three degrees of separation or maybe right. one uh well first of all okay i'm gonna go through that um i might as well just jump right into it and then i'll explain why it's so important the book my book is divided into four categories of of more of illusions really and i don't offer them to make people feel bad okay that's uh, i know you started the i session, did right but I, uh, but you were being, I think, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Some people are offended, but not usually, because they see that these are the foibles of everyday life, that we go around thinking we have these competences that, that we don't. An example is texting. Everyone says, well, I can do it. I'm a multitasker. Where every study that was ever done shows that if you drive and text, then you've, you've diminished your capacity to drive. Mm -hmm. uh, but we maintain the illusion that we don't. So I've, uh, I've divided into four categories I, without hopefully uh, inundating your, your listeners. The first one is the illusion of inconsequence. And just really quickly, what that is, is that the small things we do, the little breaches of integrity are so inconsequential, they don't really affect our integrity. So the example of that would be like the white lie or like accepting the dinner, a free dinner on the expense account, the business expense account of a friend who takes us out. 
um, and we don't do business. We're just we're just friends, but we don't think of it as consequential. So you know, we we can lie, like lie to a friend or accept the dinner. The veil of convenience is the second illusion, and that's where we know it's not right, but we do it anyway because it's just too convenient. So texting is an example of that. Uh, another example would be copywriting or, or copying material that's copyrighted, uh, backdating a stock option that was mm -hmm. big years ago. So the book has eight or nine of these of examples on, in each of these categories. The next one is really a big one because it relates to the problems we have at work, and that is equating loyalty with truthfulness. So we will hold the boss as kind of the measure of truthfulness. If we're following the boss out of loyalty, that takes care of our, all of our duties. Whereas there can be a conflicting and competing duty that we're ignoring. Now, examples of that would be uh, filling quotas that a boss sets for us, even though it requires some dubious activity. Mm -hmm. uh, drug companies are famous for that. The, the breaching of um, uh, ethical standards in foreign countries when we're doing business, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Anybody who's done business in a foreign country will say it's impossible to do it without bribing. Mm -hmm. But we've got a law that says you're not supposed to do that, you know, and, and billions of, uh, of dollars and fines have been leveled, but people still do it. They know, you know, because that's what they're told to do. It's loyalty to the mission of the company at the expense of truthfulness. Big problem. And we deal with that in our decision-making seminars. The last one really relates mostly to politics, but also in our own lives. Like that is equating self-interest with duty. So politicians do that when they regard their election as so important, more important really than the values they're espousing. They just have to get elected. And then they've turned into a cadre of people that are essentially more cunning than truthful, but they believe it's okay. But we do it too, where self-interest, uh, relating back to the employer situation where we follow a boss because it's more important to survive the way we use the word survival loosely than to be truthful to our duties as employees or public servants. So that's, that's like a really uh, breakneck uh, speed tour through the four illusions. Right. Well, you know, your book was so interesting because it, it, it gives these examples like, you know, for me, I can, I feel like I'm a person with integrity. You know, I, I just, I, I, I'm from the Midwest. And I have a, you know, I was raised from good stock and I, I, I just tell, tell my truth, right? And then I read your book and most of the examples I went, yep, I would do those. I would, I would make the good choice. I would, you know, the, the, the quote, you know, uh, choice of integrity, the habit, have establishing habits of integrity. And then there were some that I was like, Ooh, you know, I don't know if I would do that. For example, the, the dinner. I can tell you, Stu, I've been to dinners many times where 99% of the conversation was not at all about business. 
and uh, and then it came around to having the check uh, paid and a multinational conglomerate uh, was going to foot the bill on the Amex card and we would kind of make a joke and raise our glasses and say well let's 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 talk a little business right and we would say a little business just to perfunctorily acknowledge that this was a a, a business dinner uh, and and I honestly never saw anything wrong with it because I thought well you know we work hard and here's this company and and this is apparently it's not my decision it's the person who's buying me dinner's decision and then i and then i read you know this 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 power of the small thing and so it's not that I'm saying that you're wrong or I'm wrong. I just am recognizing I could feel my edges from that. You know, it's easy to look at the big stuff and say, oh, I would never, I would never. It's quite different to look at the smaller things. So, you know, a couple of questions on that. Number one, do you, do you get that feedback a lot from people of, ooh, wait, that, those, those are slippery slopes that maybe I've gone through before. And secondly, how perfect are you, Stu? Jeez, Louise. I mean, you called me an expert and I said to myself, well, actually, I turned to my cat who's with me in the world, <laughs> the whole thing, which I hope none of, none of your listeners do. And he turned to me and he said, you're no expert. Um, and I'm not. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of the misnomer. No one's perfect at practicing integrity, but that's not an excuse to blow it. The, the reason why it's so important to look at small things uh, I'm going to give a cliche first, and then we'll get into the, the meat of it. The cliche is if you aren't, if you're too big to do the small things, you're too small to do the big things. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's a business maxim. Uh, you know, a CEO told me that when he used to get coffee for his secretary. And I just noticed it. And, and he said, you know, that, and he said that. Mm -hmm. So if I can't do that for my secretary, why should I expect big things from her, you know, from her or myself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people, I don't think get that, first of all, uh, putting something on an expense account uh, when it doesn't belong there is cheating the government out of taxes. Okay, so you start with that basic thing. But even more important than that is the idea that the... It, it trains us to think in terms of skirting the edges mm -hmm. rather than uh, being uh, bounded uh, by them. If, you, if you're at a, a dinner like that, and I've been in that situation as everybody has, it's our opportunity to actually raise the, the duty of, of community. Why? Because people have an expectation of honesty. If you ask a, a person in the street, do you have an expectation that corporations will treat their paperwork honestly? Well, the expectation is, well, yeah, we have an expectation that anybody who has the public trust is going to discharge it honestly. But when you see wholesale violations, then the trust breaks down. And when trust breaks down, then you no longer have any faith in the institution and no interest in upholding it. I guess mm -hmm. what? That's basically where we're at. Right. Not only as a country, but also as in our business. You know, business right. has that. So it starts with the small things to recognize that each little erosion of the of the truthfulness that's possible in that situation leads to to an understanding that 
that um, each, each little erosion means that we get further and further respecting the institution. When people stop respecting institutions and no longer have reasonable expectations um, that their government, their businesses, their friends, their communities, their families will not operate honestly with them, well then everything breaks down. So that's why, um, and it's the same thing with, if I may, Teresa, it's the same thing with a white lie. It's really the exact same thing because when we tell a white lie, we think, well, it's okay. It's not really doing any harm. I'm saving the other person from um, the discomfort, I'm saving myself from it. But then if you ask yourself this question, I think it comes into focus that if we condone lying about something as casual, as small, as breaking a lunch date with a friend, why should we expect the president of the United States to tell the truth? And it sounds like a trivial question or a rhetorical one or a clever one, but it's really the essence of the matter. You asked me about the illusions of inconsequence, illusions of moral competence. Those illusions are based on the fact that we'll be ready for big things, even though we don't follow uh, truthfulness in the small things. And that is, and we have lots of examples like that, that we can draw from, uh, from our everyday, in, uh, everyday news events. Like, you know, a small thing like a coworker leaving it up to others to report sexual harassment that their bosses uh, commit. Well, that may be a small thing to them, but it can lead to the infection of the entire workplace and the breakdown of the culture and something else we're seeing. So a small, or, or neighbors who leave it to others to report domestic abuse with excuses like, well, let's not get involved. It's not up to us. Or the example also in the book about listeners of public radio who can afford to make contributions, but leave it to others to keep the station afloat financially. Mm -hmm. So to wrap it up, if you accept a dinner, on somebody's expense account, which is totally private, you're leaving it up to others to establish trust in our basic institutions like business and government. When you could do your part right there and then to take a stand to remind yourself of your duty and to gain practice in fulfilling it because practice is what leads to a facility with the big things. Mm -hmm. Better choices that you make, better decisions that you make when yeah. you're practicing I, it, right? I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, uh, you know, the, the law of small things is, is the, the, the tiny little choices that we're making, the micro choices that we're making to strengthen our integrity awareness such that when it's really needed, really, I mean, it's not that it's not always needed, but when it's really uh, high stakes, and, and I would describe our time right now in, in the world as, as high stakes, transformative time of deciding who are we, what character do we have, how are we going to show up, and what kind of planet are we going to leave to our children and our grandchildren. It's a big, big time in the world. And so to make those big choices uh, and to, to show up as powerfully as possible, we need to make sure we're strong and, and, and from an integrity perspective. That's where those habits 
that's at least what I got from it when I was reading it was it's strengthening me as if for the, for the really big things that are, that are presenting themselves to us right now. Well, I think that's really a great point and thank you for making it. It's really the ultimate point. And uh, so let me just comment on that. What you're really talking about is mindfulness. If you come across a crack in the foundation of your house, well, you could say, well, it's not a big thing. I, I'm just going to ignore it. Well, you know, eventually it's going to get bigger and then maybe the foundation will crumble. Mm -hmm. Now, it's hard. I understand that human nature is such that it's very difficult to sort of see the same thing with integrity. It's like, okay, no, but when it's really important, I'll know. I'll know. Well, how do you know you'll know? That's the point of the book, to point out all the small ways that really implicate big things. The reason why people are so sure they'll be ready is because they think, and I you know, speak for myself before I got into this, we all think that we're good at integrity. It's something you just do, like a Nike commercial. And I've heard the expression so many times, I'm sure you have, that integrity can't be taught. And it's something innate. You're either born with it or you're not. But just think about that. Honesty is considered the most valued of all qualities, truthfulness. So the most valued of, of human qualities is the thing that most of us believe you don't need to practice. I mean, you need to practice piano to go to Carnegie Hall. You need to practice running to do a marathon. You need to practice accounting skills to be a good manager. But no, Integrity is something you just know. And that's the danger. That's why I wrote the book. Because when you think that way, that you can be ready for big things without practicing, that you're just naturally good at it, it's very hard for you to imagine that you're wrong. So we have lots of words to justify our whimsical thinking, like instinct, intuition, go with our gut. I know the answer in my heart. But what it amounts to is an excuse not to deliberate. It's an excuse not to be mindful. And if anybody's doubting the, the validity of what I'm saying, just listen to a political discussion. <laughs> right? You and I have been a part of some political discussions in the past, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, are. That... we all think we're right. Right. I mean, you and I were on one recently. And, yes. And there was some really smart people on there, including yourself. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, although I thank you for not shooting your mouth off and either did I, right. but some of the smart people were giving very, very eloquent beliefs. The problem, but the problem is they were their beliefs that they were asserting is true. Mm -hmm. One summary of any political person or any political situation is not going to get to the truth of it. Right. So deliberation is is what we're after, but you'll never get that when people think, oh, if I have this belief so strongly, it must be true. Mm -hmm. So if I believe there's nothing wrong with accepting a free dinner, when I know that the corporation is going to take it off its taxes and their paperwork is going to be wrong and there's going to be some accounting person looking at it, realizing that there were a bunch of people that, you know, um, <laughs> that, that participated in this fraud, even though, you know, I know that I say it's not wrong. 
because my intuition tells me it's not really that bad. Well, problem is intuition is great when it works out, but we have to recognize that it, we have to recognize it as failing when it doesn't work out and it doesn't really push integrity very well. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think that your, your book for me really highlighted uh, you know, some of the gray areas, like you mentioned the comment about Starbucks. And I can tell you that as somebody who has, has written books, I have written books in Starbucks before. Uh, and I will spread, <laughs> I'm a spreader. I will spread all out. And, uh, and, and I, when you, when I saw that example of, you know, will you spread your things out on a, at a coffee table in Starbucks to, to, uh, uh, you know, avoid having other people sit by you. One, I don't think about that. I think about I am going to sit here for hours and I'm going to give money to this organization. And unless there's a queue in line, I'm going to take the space that I'm going to take because I'm going to maximize my experience here. And frankly, I'm a woman. And so if a man sat next to me in a coffee shop when there's 70 other seats, that is a violation of my personal space because I've lived that enough times to know what that is like. So there's a gray area where one person's uh, commentary of this may not be in, in integrity uh, is another person's boundary, right? That's a good point. And I thank my women readers who pointed that out uh, gratefully before it was published. So I actually have a section on on that because that is a function of self-protection mm-hmm. and that is a value that's a duty you have a duty to protect yourself yep and yep. when you and as a woman uh, men are not necessarily attuned to that and a woman has the right to make those not only obviously make that discernment be mindful but take action to prevent anything that could jeopardize a woman's health or safety. So that's a great point. But in those examples, we try not to get into, you know, the, you know, the particular circumstances that may occur, Yeah. just the run of the mill ones. And I say in that chapter that it's like putting, we all, I mean, put the shoe on the other foot when we've been in Starbucks looking for a place. Right. And some has it all. Oh, I know. Stuff. I'm the first one to complain. Trust me. I'm like, who is this guy? Why does he think he can move in? And I do, I, I, right. I mean, do as I say, not as I do, right? Well, so that, so the point is that that's a question of civility. Civility is a duty. Now, I could start talking about the need for civility, but everybody understands that. Right. Uh, right. Uh, well, not everybody. Well, yeah, everybody understands that they think the other person's responsible for being uncivil. Right. It's like everybody has integrity, but it's the other guy. Sure, sure. The book is designed to show that, yeah, you know, it really is up to you. I think yeah. I call it, I think that's the chapter where I think, you know, spreading out like that is like putting up a stop sign. Uh-huh. The signs, don't sit near me. I don't want to be part of you. I, you know, I, I, leave me alone. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I broadcast that. I, I'll, I, I'm I one most enthusiastic in second grade, but sometimes I'm not quite enthusiastic of people. You know, I don't lay out the welcome mat when I'm in the coffee shop. Uh, but I have one last question for you that I always ask my guests, Stu. So when we think about 
your best performances in your life, whether it's personal or professional, times when you showed up so amazingly, you just knocked it out of the park and you just were high from the, the, the success that you had. Can you think of one time when you really had an outstanding performance in your career or in your personal life? What were some of the characteristics around that? What made that such a great performance for you? Well, you know, I didn't know you were going to ask that question, although the answer is coming readily, but I want to acknowledge you for doing that. You're really great at that. And C-Suite is really great at constantly reminding us that we need to think through uh, what we're doing in business. You know, it's, it's so easy just to get on the track and go. So thank you for that. Um, so my answer is the, the, the most rewarding, the kind of the, that, that joyful experience is when I recognized that I was in a unique position to help someone uh, and I did it rather than finding an excuse uh, that I was too busy, that I didn't want to get involved. And I think the, the, uh, the flip side of that is that my biggest disappointments are when I didn't have the discernment, the mindfulness, to understand that I was in a position to help somebody. Uh, and, and as a result, I didn't. And they suffered hardship as a result. And when you really get down to it, that's what integrity is about. It's sharpening your ability to see your obligation, your implied promise, bring it out in the world, fulfill it, and heal the world, make the world a better place, but heal the world and fulfill your mission. And I think, uh, you know, I got to hand it to C-Suite for that and for you and constantly bringing that up. And that's what mindfulness is intended to do. And that's where integrity blends with mindfulness to a very happy conclusion. That sounds fantastic. Thank you, Stu. And I promise that I will continue to fight the good fight, shine the light as brightly as I can so I too can be a part of healing the world. Thank you for being with me today, Stu. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Teresa. I think you're doing a damn good job. Oh, blessings to you. And for listeners, if you would like to learn more about the law of small things, creating a habit of integrity in a culture of mistrust by Stu Brody, please go to integrityintensive.com. You can also take a quiz to test your IQ on integrity quotient. Uh, it will be a very illuminating experience, I am sure. My name is Teresa Rose. This is Mindful Performance on C-Suite Radio. Thank you so much. And like me, I hope you make it an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Mindful Performance, hosted by Teresa Rose. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, and share. For more information or to listen to more episodes, visit TeresaRose.com or check out the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.